everything you need to know about the Durham report, why the mainstream media won't tell you about it, how to save yourself money, and more on today's Random Thoughts podcast. Welcome to episode number 175 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill, and on today's show, we're going to be talking a lot about the Durham report since the mainstream media doesn't want to talk a whole lot about it. We'll also talk about saving you money and a few other things, I'm sure, along the way. But the Durham report is quite interesting because the Trump presidency was marred by the allegations of Russian collusion, Russian collusion, Russian collusion. Special counsel John Durham was put onto the case to investigate. He is still investigating. But the threads that he is pulling on are starting to unravel and we're getting a better look into exactly what went on, how this total fabrication came to be. There was a court filing last Friday that ties the Hillary Clinton campaign to the surveillance of Donald Trump's servers, computers, whatever you want to call them. There was a September indictment of a lawyer named Michael Sussman. Now, he's a lawyer that represented the Clinton campaign while he worked for the Perkins Coy, C-O-I-E, law firm. A Wall Street Journal piece on this matter says, quote, Mr. Sussman is accused of lying to the FBI at a September 2016 meeting when he presented documents claiming to show secret Internet communications between the Trump Organization and Russia-based Alpha Bank. The indictment says Mr. Sussman falsely told the FBI he was presenting this information solely as a good citizen, failing to disclose his ties to the Clinton campaign. So some of this information came from a lawyer named Michael Sussman, who handed this information into the FBI and says, I just came across this stuff randomly. I'm just a good citizen and failed to let them know that he had ties to the Hillary Clinton campaign, which there's no question He has ties to the Hillary Clinton campaign. Now, the indictment has revealed that this lawyer, Michael Sussman, worked with a guy named Rodney Joffe, J-O-F-F-E, who formerly was of New Star Incorporated. I don't know if he owned New Star, ran New Star, but the New Star company, as well as researchers, for a United States university were used to gather internet data 
on multiple locations of Donald Trump's offices, of his apartment building. And then, most surprisingly, and maybe most concerning, even after Trump was inaugurated and was the president, this continued on even after Donald Trump became president. The goal, according to Durham, of all of this was to create a narrative that would please certain individuals at the law firm of Perkins Coy and please the Hillary Clinton campaign. Now, Newstar, Joffe's company, had a contract with the federal government. They do all sorts of different high-tech stuff, I guess. The federal government paid Newstar to do some tech work. It's not completely clear exactly what that all entailed, but Newstar was working for the feds, and as part of the job that they were being paid to do, Newstar had access to government computers and information on those computers, and apparently Joffe then had a secret deal with this lawyer Sussman to be able to access these machines and pull information off of them. Now, some of the data that was being collected from these machines, again, which were at the Trump Tower and at Trump's Central Park West apartment building, and then eventually the White House itself, included the DNS lookups from the machines at those locations. DNS lookups for anybody that is not technically inclined basically means when you go to any website, whether it's randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com, when you type that into a browser, it goes to a DNS server, which will then let your computer know where that website exists and what the numerical address of that website is. This is the system that's in place so you can find the websites you want without having to remember just their numerical code. Otherwise, you would have to know, well, the random thoughts uh, server is at 123.24567, you know, and nobody wants to do that. But this kind of data, most interestingly to me, as well as any data as far as communications based, would be very easy to hide if the person doing the communicating doesn't want to get it out there. If they know what they're doing, it's not hard to make this data nearly impossible to find. VPNs are one way to do this, meaning if Donald Trump or whoever in his organization was using a VPN to communicate with whoever, that DNS lookup would then go to the VPN's DNS server, which would be encrypted, which would mean that data would not be easy to see if possible at all. But I digress going down that rabbit hole because we all know from Hillary Clinton that a lot of people in the government are just not all that smart when it comes to the technological aspect of this. But 
the timeline on this spying on the traffic going on through the Trump organization's machines, it was happening as early as July of 2016, where Mr. Joffe was exploiting his, and this is quoting the Durham report, access to non-public and or proprietary internet data, including internet traffic pertaining to the executive office of the president of the United States. The filing explained that Mr. Joffe's employer, quote, had come to access and maintain dedicated servers for the EOP, that is the executive office of the president, as part of a sensitive arrangement whereby it provided internet services to the White House. Mr. Joffe's team also was monitoring internet-related traffic again to the Trump Tower and Mr. Trump's apartment on Central Park West. So this is a big deal. If you want to put this into a historical context, it's not a stretch to compare it to Watergate, and it seems like it may actually be more extensive than what was going on there. I mean, the technologies are different, but the reality is what you had here appears to be spying being done on Donald Trump. So the mainstream media and somebody put out a super clip, which I'm sure is not hard to find on the usual social media sites, had 35, I believe, clips of the mainstream media talking about how crazy Donald Trump was when he said that he believed that his campaign was being spied on. And it appears that Donald Trump was absolutely correct that his campaign was being spied on. This has been now tracked to a lawyer with ties to the Hillary Clinton campaign. Does this go all the way to Hillary Clinton? That has not been factually proven yet. You can point it in that direction, but as of yet, you cannot directly tie Hillary Clinton to this. But since this investigation is still going on, it would appear that there's a pretty good chance that this is going to be tied to somebody in the Hillary Clinton campaign. I would be very surprised if it was Hillary Clinton herself in any way, shape, or form. Hillary Clinton is not a dumb person, and I'm sure she knows that if you're involved in something like this, you need insulation, you need somebody to go between you and what's going on so you can claim later on that you knew absolutely nothing about this. But there is no question at this point that lawyer Sussman made false claims to federal agencies, and there is no question that he has ties to the Hillary Clinton campaign. If you go back and look at Hillary Clinton's tweets from the same time period, they go down the rabbit hole that these allegations talked about. Trump having a connection to Russian banks, 
other Russian entities. And the Wall Street Journal, their takeaway on this was, quote, along the way, the Clinton campaign fed these bogus claims to a willing and gullible media. And now we know its operatives used private tech researchers to monitor the White House communications. If you made this up, you'd be laughed out of a Netflix story pitch, says the Wall Street Journal. So it is very interesting at this point, and I think very telling, that the mainstream media is not reporting about this. It's a very big story. They're brushing it off, the mentions that they're getting. They're brushing this off, saying this is nothing more than misinformation. This is nothing more than propaganda. But it is not. This is a special counsel filing legal briefs. This is not what the mainstream media is used to. This is not a story from unverified sources or unnamed sources or people close to the matter. This is a special counsel that is investigating and reporting the findings through the proper legal briefs. And for the media to ignore this, you only can make a few conclusions, which is one, the media is totally inept, which I think in a lot of cases is true. But two, the media was huge in pushing the Trump-Russian collusion story. And they did so not just for a news cycle or two. They did this for multiple months, multiple years. So now if this story turns out, as it appears it is going to, that they got it wrong. This is a story that will go beyond embarrassing the mainstream media. This is a story. I mean, if people can actually hear it, if people actually pay attention, if people actually get this knowledge into their brains, will take down these corporations that have been spreading what they call news for the last few years. And people already don't trust the news media. I mean, they trust them like four percentage points more than Congress, according to one of the last polls, which was at like 6% for the media and 2% for Congress as far as trust to do, you know, hey, they're doing the right thing for the people of the country. This is going to be a huge problem for the mainstream media, and it's going to be interesting to see if any of them start picking up the story. As of yet, they have not. CNN is really in disarray. We spoke on one of the last episodes about Jeff Zucker's removing himself from the company because he was having a relationship with a woman that was an executive at CNN as well. Well, now his girlfriend at CNN is also out. Didn't take long. The new people coming in, this announcement was made in a memo from Warner Media's CEO, Jason Killar. 
It was shared with the Hollywood Reporter, so that's where I got it. Says, quote, based on interviews of more than 40 individuals and a review of over 100,000 texts and emails, the investigation found violations of company policies, including CNN's new standards and practices by Jeff Zucker, Allison Gelust, and Chris Cuomo. So that's his girlfriend, Allison Gelust. We all know who Chris Cuomo is. Ties to the governor, ex-governor, disgraced ex-governor of New York. But this is interesting to me and maybe signals a shift, although it might be way too much reading into it and we might be way too much to hope for. But maybe CNN's going to start slowly trying to climb their way out of the hole that they let Jeff Zucker put them in with anti-Trump, anti-Trump, everything's got to be anti-Trump, nothing but anti-Trump. Maybe on this news that Jeff Zucker, his girlfriend, and others, can you even imagine going through 100,000 texts and emails? I mean, that's an interesting investigation that the company is doing. When you say they violated CNN's news standards and practices, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, I know CNN's kind of a joke, but for them to come out and announce that, I think is a pretty big deal. And maybe we'll signal that some kind of change is going to come around. But CNN is not the only news organization that is ignoring stories that are important to you because it doesn't push the right narrative, which is why you're listening to this podcast, which is why you listen to other independent shows who look to get to the heart of the matter rather than to parrot talking points in order to help their corporate overlords. And that's what you've got with most of these news organizations right now. And it makes it very hard to get to the heart of the matter. But you have to ask yourself, why was CNN, MSNBC, and the like, why were they so in on the Russian collusion? And now when you have a special counsel who has done an investigation, the results are starting to come out. At least what you have coming out now are facts that you can somewhat believe in where everything they reported throughout the early part of this was nothing but speculation, was nothing but stuff they got from anonymous sources or sources that couldn't be named. You finally have some actual data that you can point to the source and say, hey, this guy, this special counsel, I mean, he was, of course, he was appointed by Trump, so we can't believe anything. This guy says, no, I mean, he's got the data. He's got the information. He did the investigation. What he's done is right there for people to go and verify. If the news media continues to ignore that, that'll tell us everything we need to know about the news media, which, again, is why you're listening to this show. We bring you things you won't get in the mainstream media. We don't have the corporate overlords, and we are often fairly ahead of the game when it comes to a lot of the things that are going on in the world, 
things that have a direct effect on your life and on your pocketbook. It was three years ago today, February 16th, 2019, that I did an episode on deep fakes. Now, if you go back and listen to that, and I hope you will if you haven't heard it, we were spot on with exactly what was happening then and what was going to happen. And I think everybody needs to be aware that this technology exists, especially when we live in a society where literally saying the wrong word can get somebody canceled, can cause financial ruin, can make somebody lose their job, lose their friends, all sorts of stuff. You have to be aware that if you're hearing somebody say something on an audio recording, and it can include video with it, you cannot trust it once you know the technology that exists to create deep fake audio, deep fake video, deep fake photos, as we talked about in that episode three years ago. Deep fake photos had been around for a while. I think most people, and I hope now, three years later, even more are aware of the fact that programs like Adobe Photoshop can do amazing things where you can add people to pictures, take people out of pictures, and create images that never actually existed in reality. The same thing is now true for audio and video. So if you hear an audio recording that allegedly says your favorite celebrity or, you know, usually conservative person said the N-word, you might want to think twice about where the source is coming from. You might want to ask yourself if somebody might not be making some money off of this or somebody's not just doing this to get revenge. Deep fakes are an important part of our life today, and we had it three years ago. And I think that's something that makes this program something that is worthy of listening to. I was listening to the, well, I was watching the Bandrew Says podcast the other day. And he made the comment that he does that show because he enjoys doing it, not because it's making him a ton of money. Exactly the reason I'm doing this show. It would be nice to have the Rush Limbaugh audience and the Rush Limbaugh paycheck, especially. But I enjoy doing the show, getting stuff off my chest and giving you information that can hopefully help you with your life. And thanks to inflation, thanks to Joey and his policies, your dollar's not going as far right now. I get that. Everything costs more from food to gasoline to heat your home or to air condition your home if you're one of those jerks that live in an area that's warm right now. But there are a lot of ways you can save money, and a lot of them, it seems people don't even think about, including if you have medical bills especially that come from a hospital, you can call them up and ask to get relief and see what they can do. Quite often, you can have that bill completely wiped out. You just have to go through the process. Now, when it comes to normal stuff that we use on a day-to-day -day basis, 
My parents still had a landline, actually two different phone numbers that AT&T continued to raise the price over and over and over up until the point it was about 180 bucks, I believe, for two landline phone numbers. Finally got them hooked up with UMA, which is a voice over IP telephone system. There's a lot of those out there. And for people that want to keep their landline, it is a great way to go to keep your phone number and still have that landline access if you want it. You can do a lot of other things like porting that number over to Google Voice if you don't mind the evil Google, where you can at least then keep that phone number. So if anybody's still using it to call you, if you're one of those people that use your cell phone all the time, you can do that and save even more. But in this case, for all of the fancy services that Uma gives you, like sending voicemail to your email address and ringing your cell phone or whatever phones you want, when somebody calls your number, their $180 a month went down to about 20, which I mean, hey, it's still not free, but it is a huge savings. The Xfinity mobile that we're on, if you don't use a lot of data, brought our cell phone bills down from the family plan, which had my parents, my wife and I on it, brought it down from about 180 bucks down to about 50 as well, which won't apply to you if you use a ton of data. But if you just want a phone for calling people and texting, that's one way to go. But I use my internet all of the time. I mean, I have to upload these podcasts somehow and listen to all the podcasts somehow. The internet for me is vital. We got rid of television a long time ago. Have not missed having the ability to just turn on a live television channel. Everything we want can be streamed, can be downloaded, but I need the internet connection. And in the area that we're in, there really is no competition. I keep checking AT&T hoping that they'll be able to offer their gigabit service or something faster in our area. Not that I have a problem with Xfinity because overall, the quality of our connection has been excellent over the past few years. But it's always good to see somebody else come in because as other people come in, there's hopefully some competition, which hopefully means the prices come down. But AT&T, no, they could give me like, uh, I think it was one megabit down rather than, you know, 1200 down from Xfinity. So, yeah, there's no competition when it comes to the Internet. And I always try to get back onto the pricing for new customers because we all know there's that introductory deal and then everything goes up after that it's the same concept when you're on an airplane quite often if you got your tickets early you're paying less than the person sitting next to you if they got their tickets more recently it's just the way the system works with xfinity you just have to contact them and i've started just using their internet people through Twitter, believe it or not, that's the greatest use I found ever of Twitter is to contact the customer cares department at Xfinity and simply go in and say, hey, what can you do with my bill? I see you've got an introductory pricing at this. Can I get it? And most of the time they say yes. 
And if not, you wait a week or two and you ask again, and then they say yes. It's not hard to do. I just lowered my internet bill down from about 135 bucks a month down to 95. And I think I'm going to get it down even 20 bucks less by just activating another phone on my Xfinity mobile. I don't know why, but they're having a promo on that. So just take an old phone, ask them for a SIM card, a phone that I'm never going to use, and they'll allegedly lower my bill even 20 bucks more a month. And I will report back on that if that works out. Now, since January just rolled around, of course, insurance plans change and all this other stuff. And I went to pick up a couple of the prescriptions that I take. And the price was way up at the pharmacy that we had been going to. And it turns out they were no longer a preferred pharmacy through our insurance, which meant I would either have to go to Walgreens or a couple of other ones. I checked out the pricing for Amazon's pharmacy, which now comes to Illinois. And then I checked into the mail order pharmacy that our insurance uses. And of course, that was the cheapest and allowed for 90 days supply at a time, which is way easier than going to the pharmacy every month to pick stuff up. And this, again, just took a little bit of time to look these things up, do a little bit of research and figure out what works best for you. If you're on a high internet bill, contact your internet company, ask them for a deal that might work easily. You may have to go to the retentions department and pretend you're going to cancel. That used to be the way it was always done. Now these companies have realized that it saves them time to not have you as the customer go through the song and the dance. And if people ask, they are much more apt to just give a discount, try to bundle, try to do something to save you money. And that is definitely something you should be looking into with internet, with cell phone bills, with anything that you're on a monthly subscription. It never hurts to ask if there is a better deal that you can get. Quite often there is. And the only way you're going to find out is to do a little bit of research and ask. So try it. And if it works, if you go, to your internet company and you say, I'm looking for a better deal. And all of a sudden your bill, like mine just dropped 40 bucks a month. Consider making a donation to the random thoughts podcast. And that way everybody wins. That's how this whole system works. We give you information. If that information is valuable to you, you put that into a number and get some value back to us. Cause we do work on the value for value model. One that works really, really well. And we appreciate everyone that has supported this show going on almost four years. It's amazing that we're almost four years into this. I do have two people to thank for today's show coming in with a paper check, $25 anonymous. Yet again, we appreciate that. And coming in at $3.33, our buddy, Gummy Nerds, if you're a No Agenda fan, especially if you hang out in the No Agenda Troll Room or on No Agenda Social, you know Gummy Nerds, and your support Gummy Nerds is very much appreciated. Stay warm up there in Wisconsin. If you would like to get some value to us, you can go to our website, randomthoughts, R-E-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com slash donate. 
You can click the donate button for a one-time donation or monthly donation through PayPal. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to do the crypto thing. You can use the P.O. box if you want to go the snail mail route. And if you're using a podcasting 2.0 compliant app, and if you're not, go to newpodcastapps.com and check one out. You can stream us some stats right now. You can boost us right now and take part in that whole new podcasting revolution. However you decide to support the show, we greatly appreciate it. And even if you don't, just listening to the show, I appreciate your time giving us that because this is a time when there is so many things you can do. You can listen to so many different podcasts. You can listen to music. You can listen to audio books. You can do all sorts of things. So the fact that you're listening to this show, it is very much appreciated. You can always reach out to me, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts.com. Or you can find me on Twitter, Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. Or you can also find me, Darren O'Neill, at noagendasocial.com. If you're in the Fediverse, if you're on a Mastodon server, that is a great way to go. With all that said, I will be back next Wednesday with another episode of the Random Thoughts Podcast. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 